this is Reaching the Finish Line. And I'm your host, Callan Dix. Check out the website, www.reachingthefinishline.com. And pick up my free report. Save up to 75% what they don't want you to know. ReachingTheFinishLine.com And welcome. Today, I am delighted to have Robert Kiyosaki. Almost everyone knows who Robert is. If you don't know who Robert is, uh, he is the author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Uh, It was the international runaway bestseller book that has held the top spot on the New York Times for over six plus years. He's an investor, entrepreneur, educator whose perspectives on money and investing fly in the face of conventional wisdom. Rich Dad Poor Dad ranks as the longest running bestseller on all of the four lists that report to Publishers Weekly, The New York Times, Business Week, Wall Street Journal, and USA Today. The USA Today even called it the number one money book two years in a row. Translated into 51 languages and available in 109 countries, the Rich Dad series has sold over 27 million copies worldwide and has dominated bestseller lists across Asia, Australia, South America, Mexico, and in Europe. And he was also inducted in the Amazon Hall of Fame as one of the bookseller's top 25 authors. Uh, he, he, he's writing, he, he's wrote a variety of personal finance books that I have been fans of. Robert, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Kellen. Great. So, Robert, uh, in this era of the 21st century and uh, being that the millennials are the biggest generation, specifically in the U.S., talk about the unfair advantage. Because, Robert, I think a lot of millennials... Uh, I, they're becoming they're becoming a bit more astute, and as far as you have the sharing economy, people doing the Uber now, they doing these uh, task rabbit, these type of things, and trying to uh, create their own type of income, being more flexible. But at the same time, I still think they're a bit ignorant about the unfair advantage. Talk about what is it, and how can people take advantage of it? Uh, it's kind of a tough, not a tough question, but as I stated in Rich Dad, Poor Dad, it's lesson number one. The rich don't work for money. And too many people, I don't care what generation you are, they're still working for money. And the reason is they don't work for money is because our monetary system is corrupt. You know, it was, the Fed was created, the Federal Reserve Bank was created in 1913, the same year the IRS was created. Isn't that kind of interesting? Mm. And so what's happening is that I don't work for money. And it goes into definitions. Mm -hmm. My job is to create assets as an entrepreneur. So when I write a book, my book is an asset because it puts money, it puts cash flow income in my pocket. Mm -hmm. When I have cash flow, it's taxed at a lower interest rate, Mm -hmm. lower tax rate. So it's really easy. So most people focus on getting a job or selling a product or being in a you know, web designer or a real estate agent. And that's working for money. And what the rich are doing is creating assets. So you look at Steve Jobs, he created a little asset called Apple, which is country in the world, mm-hmm. company in the world. And you look at Zuckerberg, he created a little company called Facebook. Whereas other people are, are you know, opening a restaurant and that's not 
an asset. That's a service business. Yeah. So there's very big. There's it's really basically financial literacy. Mm-hmm. It's a definition of a word. So the definition of an asset is something that puts money in my pocket, whether I work or not. So today. I I own 10,000 rental units. So every month, about a million dollars come in whether I work or not. That, to me, is smart. But if I was out selling real estate, I don't think I could make a million dollars a month. So it's different mindsets. Let me ask you this, Robert. Um, I'm curious because uh, according to a recent statistic, uh, 44% of millennials uh, said that they'll leave their employer within two years. So there's there's there, there's more and more millennials are becoming less loyal in their in their jobs, which which I think is great because in in a way they're taking their whole financial uh, destiny into their own hands. Um, as a person who has written about this topic for a long time, what do you think about the millennial generation, Robert? Do you have faith in it? Do you think that a lot of millennials uh, will uh, are, are are coming around and eventually are going to become great parents to their children and kind of spur a bigger entrepreneurial revolution? I, I don't know. I'm not an expert on demographics and that in in the uh, social demographics. Hmm. I just know millennials have a different challenge ahead of them than I did. The baby, I'm a baby boomer which was 1946 to 1964. And we, we had it easy. We, 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 they were the easiest generation to get rich in. The millennials might be the hardest. So mm. but the, on the other side of it, millennials have tools such as social media, iPhone, web, and all that. So it's actually more conducive for millennials to be entrepreneurs. And it was, it was you know, it made more sense for me to be a corporate guy which I, but I didn't want to be, so I became an entrepreneur. But today, it's so easy to be an entrepreneur. I don't know why everybody's not an entrepreneur. <laughs> I, I kind of ask that question sometimes too, uh, Robert. And I think a lot of people is they, you know, they have fear, and a lot of people they're insecure, and uh, the fear of uncertainty uh, kind of really holds them back. But I, but you know, one thing that I always talk about often in the show, the thing is like. You know, certainty is nothing more than illusion. Like, we, like, 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 as much as we want to try to create a perceptual picture of certainty, uh, really, there is no certainty. You know, for example, I can drive to work, and who knows, I'm gonna get a flat tire. There are there are a lot of variables uh, that's out there, and where kind of it kind of justifies or kind of validates the reason that you know we're always uh, uh, living in a uncertain world, and. Again, I, I think it really it is tied to fear, uh, Robert, because uh, in, in another recent study that we found, uh, it shows that 51% of American managers care very little about their work. So they're actively disengaged. They're going to work. They don't really care about it. They're just doing it for a paycheck, unfortunately, kind of stuck in the E quadrant, something that you uh, clearly detail in the cash flow quadrant, which is one of my favorite books. Uh, so they care very little about their work. So they're stuck in it. So as you said before, it's like, why isn't everyone an entrepreneur? Uh, and, 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 it's a, and it's a good question. Perhaps, Robert, you can share or maybe, you know, what were some things you've done to overcome that fear and cross over into that B quadrant? Well, there's always fear. Um, I think the biggest problem is people go to school. And as you, you know, there's different types of, there's four basic intelligences required for a person to be an entrepreneur or a successful, shall we say. So the one is IQ, which is mental intelligence. 
And most people who go to school are very good, high IQ. Mm. Uh, the next, the biggest one is EQ, emotional intelligence. So that's have, how do you overcome fear, doubt? How do you, de- uh, it's called delayed gratification. You know, you don't eat your cookie today and you can eat it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But emotional intelligence, EQ, is three times stronger than IQ. Mm-hmm. So the reason why many A students are not rich is because they may have high IQ, but low EQ. You know, and so my EQ got really stronger because I was a Marine pilot in Vietnam. If you, if you could, I, you know, I could be a complete genius, but if I am chicken, mm-hmm. I'm going to die. So you have IQ, EQ, then you have PQ, which is physical intelligence. Mm-hmm. Great athletes like, you know, Tiger Woods or Jordan Spieth, they have high PQ. They're physical geniuses. Mm-hmm. So most professional athletes are physical geniuses. Mm. high physical intelligence and then the last one is sq which is spiritual intelligence and spiritual intelligence like financial intelligence actually begins with words literacy so when i was when i I didn't go to college i went to a military academy I i have a bachelor's degree but the military academy focused the first word they focus on which is a spiritual word is called mission honor code integrity and those words are not taught in colleges mm-hmm. so spiritual intelligence is not very high for most college graduates and that's the big difference is because what kept me alive in vietnam was that was my mission it was duty and honor and code integrity love courage that's what keep those are the things that make you successful but unfortunately, when I when I got out of the Marine Corps, I was getting out of the Marine Corps. This is in the 70s, and I was in my MBA program. They didn't use the words mission and code. They talked about manipulation, mm. manage money. There was no spiritual intelligence in business school. Yeah, yeah, great points, Robert. And one thing that really kind of surprises me. Or, or, or I guess, or I guess it's not so surprising. I guess depending on how you look at it, is that a lot, I, I like to say a lot of people are just chasing a rabbit. You know, as you know, like a rabbit is very small, and I think a lot of people, a lot of people out there in the workforce, they're just chasing a rabbit, and that's why we see these um, fight for fifteen crowds. People want you know get, get paid fifteen dollars an hour, and uh, perhaps maybe in California. A person can make that argument, you know, you know, when a cost of living is ridiculously expensive, maybe you can make that argument. But I feel like in most other places in the U.S., I feel like $15 an hour is, is unsustainable, especially for small business. Um, what do you think about the fight for 15 crowd, Robert? Do they have validity what they're saying? Or, or would you say, or would you kind of agree that just they're kind of just chasing that rabbit? And, and who knows, once they get a 15, you know, maybe three years later, they'll ask for 20, and then 25 or 30. What would you say to that, Robert? You don't want my opinion on that one. <laughs> well, if you read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, what was lesson one? The rich don't work for money. Mm-hmm. So I don't want a job. I don't want a pay raise. I don't want incent. I don't want tips. I don't want bonuses because I'm a rich man. And what I do is I work to acquire assets. Mm-hmm. So let me give you that. The definition of an asset, literacy is definitions. Mm-hmm. So an asset puts money in your pocket regardless if you work or not. Mm-hmm. So I have 10,000 rental units. And next year I'll probably have 11,000. Mm. So I get richer and richer because I have assets and that puts money in my pocket. 
I have four personal residences. Mm -hmm. Those are liabilities because every month they cost me money. Mm -hmm. So the problem with what you're talking about chasing a rabbit, they're chasing a paycheck. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, if you want to chase a paycheck, you know, go to school, get a high-paying job, become an accountant, a doctor, or a lawyer, then that's your choice. It was never my choice. What I want to do is acquire assets. So I, I finish a book this year. I sell it to 50 publishers throughout the year. They send me $10,000, which is the minimum I'll accept for my book. So that's income coming in, and then they pay me a quarterly royalty off of my book for the rest of my life. That makes sense to me. Whereas a journalist will write an article for, let's say, USA Today, and the next day they're going to write another article for USA Today, that's chasing the rabbit to me. We're both in the same profession. We're both writers. Mm -hmm. I'm creating an asset, and they're chasing the dollar. Do you want to start reaching the finish line? Then start with a free audiobook. Go to reachingthefinishline.com and scroll to the bottom of the page to click on the Audible banner to get your free audiobook. You may not have a lot of free time, but you can definitely listen to a book on a plane, on the bus, or even while you're driving. Go to reachingthefinishline.com and scroll to the bottom of the page to click on the Audible banner to get your free audiobook. Start reaching the finish line with your free audiobook. Absolutely, Robert. Very well said. Let's talk about, uh, Robert, how um, why A students work for C students and why B students work for the government. Because, you know, it, it's often preached that, you know, you must go to school and you must you know, you go to college. After you graduate, you go to college, even though now, really, the college degree is very, very uh, uh, it's hit or miss. I mean, definitely. I mean, if you're I mean, if you go to college for a doctor, yeah, of course, you're going to do well. You don't know, make a, you don't make, a, you know, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars a year. But again. You know, that's when you're capped out. You you basically put a cap on your potential. Um, but at the same time, when you have people who go to college for music or, or history, they graduate and somehow land up in a job at Walmart. You know, they spend about sixty thousand uh, dollars in college, and for some, and they work at Walmart and they're in, they're in student loan debt, and that's been one of the problems that we've been facing in this country. Uh, things up to two trillion dollars uh, now. So, to circle back around, Robert. Why do A students work for C students, and why do B students work for the government? Well, my definition, when I wrote that book, was that A stands for academic, B stands for bureaucrat, and C stands for capitalist. I'm a capitalist. You know, employees work for me. That's why. So I hire A students. I have to. I have to have a different skill set than academics. Mm -hmm. And I have to have the skill sets not taught in school. You know, skill set number one for a capitalist, can you sell? Mm -hmm. And that's why I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I said, I'm a best-selling author. I'm not the best writing author. Years and years ago, when Rich Dad, Poor Dad came out, the journalist, a writer, kept saying, but you're a salesman. I said, yeah, I'm a best-selling author. But you're a salesman. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm a best-selling author. You're a salesman. So I'm a best-selling author. <laughs> then I realized she was like my poor dad, because my poor dad being an A student and an academic, in his world, salesmen was the same as pedophile. They don't like people who can sell. But if you can't sell, you can't make money. So it's a catch-22 for academics who think that selling is a you know, criminal occupation. 
And most school teachers cannot sell. That's why they're school teachers. Uh -huh. bad. I'm not saying they're bad people. They just don't have the skill sets like my poor dad to be entrepreneurs. Mm, yeah, yeah. I had I had on uh, Tom Wilwright, one of your uh, advisors. Uh, he talked he talked he talked last week about the importance of sales and and really and really that's if you want to be an entrepreneur, that's the number one skill you need to get ahead. You know, if you suck at selling, it's going to definitely have a, uh, a trickle down effect on the rest of your business. How did you get started in becoming a great salesman, Robert? Because a lot of uh, entrepreneurs, you know, they wonder, say, hey, well, you know, what, what is it cold calling? Is it direct mail? You know, how did you get started in selling? Perhaps giving some uh, insights of maybe how people can, how people can get started themselves. It's like everything I recommend. You got to take, you got to get educated. Uh -huh. I, I worked for Xerox when I came out of the Marine Corps. I was a pilot. I come out of Xerox and I went to work for Xerox because they had sales training. Uh -huh. So I went into sales training and then I spent four years practicing and then I became number one in sales. Uh -huh. And then from there, from sales, you go to marketing, from marketing, you go to PR. That's what entrepreneurs do. Most uh, guys in my, at Xerox never got out of being a salesman because they never went on to learn marketing or public relations. My most favorite books uh, out, of, out of your whole series is uh, Cash Flow Quadrant and Retire Young, Retire Rich. I mean, I love all your books, but those books really, I guess they really kind of uh, kind of reached out to me. And I, I've read those, I read both books uh, multiple times. A lot of people, they go to college, Robert. They pay sixty, eighty, hundred thousand dollars $100,000, depending on what college they go to. And they say things like business administration. They, th they say things like entrepreneurship, which, to be frankly honest, there are a few colleges that have good entrepreneurship programs. However, in my six-plus years uh, working in the education and career industry, I have found that most entrepreneurship programs, business, international business programs, Either either their uh, their information is insufficient, or sadly they're taught by professors who've even never had a business. So I mean that's that's greatly doing a disservice to students because obviously if you want to be successful, you want to learn from someone who's actually done it, who's actually made the mistakes, who've actually had great successes. A person like yourself, instead of learning from a, a guy who who gets paid probably sixty seventy thousand dollars a year just to teach you theory, you know, and, and like I said, again, not knocking all universities, there are a few uh, good entrepreneurship programs out there, but the overall majority of it, uh, when it comes to entrepreneurship, when it comes to international business, uh, unfortunately, uh, it, it's, it's very dismal. But what you said, Robert, I think it's more of a fast track, you know, really the main key to entrepreneurship, as you stated, is sales. And if a person wants to get better in sales, then it could be great to work for a corporation like Xerox. I'm not sure if they still have that program going on as, as, when, when you was younger. But there are many companies out there that have sales training programs where you become a salesman. You could you could work off a commission. And that could be a great way to develop uh, your sales aptitude. What do you think, Robert, about these, um, about these schools offering, uh, you know, business degree programs, entrepreneurship programs? What's your take on that? I don't really have much of an opinion on them. Um, I think you said it earlier. Who's your teacher? You know, and unfortunately, as you know, the the so-called best teachers in school don't in colleges don't teach. Mm -hmm. They have a graduate assistant teach, mm -hmm. and I think one of the greatest downfalls of U.S. education is that they're being taught by people who are incompetent, and they could be a graduate assistant, straight A student. 
but they don't know what they're talking about. And then they become president of the United States. <laughs> Think about it this way, okay? Because we're in the middle of this election right now. Uh-huh. And, you know, Donald is my friend and all this. And I don't agree with a lot of what he said about ethnicity and stuff like that. But if you look at the five candidates just a little while ago, four of them work for the government. Bernie Sanders worked for the government, Hillary works for the government, uh, Cruz worked for the government, and Kasich worked for the government. And I think that's the problem. Mm-hmm. We should have nobody in, in politics who works for the government. They, you know, like Singapore, reason it's a rich country is they hire industry people. They don't hire politicians. Mm-hmm. So it's our academic system that is grossly corrupt and obsolete. Mm. Good point, Robert. And uh, as you're talking about Donald Trump, uh, you know, a person that you co-authored a book with called The Minus Touch, um, there was actually, a, it was actually an article that came out in Fortune magazine, which talked about, you know, Donald's, Donald Trump, you know, perspective, with, which actually I agree with, how the unofficial unemployment is extremely misleading. And uh, it is not the 5%, 6% that, you know, the White House is saying. It's actually much higher. A lot of people don't even realize that uh, talk, I, 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 just, I talked about um, in an article uh, shortly that I read that it is riskier to have a job than it is to drive a car. Uh, when, 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 you look, when you look at the numbers, the unemployment population is significantly higher than last year's number of car accident victims. So it's it just kind of a testament uh, that shows that having a job is really, really risky. And, uh, you know, same thing. The unemployment population is significantly higher than cancer patients. I mean, ca- cancer victims, uh, suicide victims. And the list can go on. And, uh, again, you know, people make that choice, obviously, maybe because of fear. But it's probably not in their best interest because that is actually the riskiest choice. It's just, it, it's just they see it from – it's just – it's nothing more than an illusion of safety, illusion of security, when in reality it's not. What would you say about the unemployment rate, uh, uh, Robert? I, like I said, I, I know you've co-written a book with uh, Donald. Uh, you know, it, would you also agree and say that is uh, is very misleading? And then, um, what can people do uh, to not be a victim of being unemployed or underemployed? Well, there's a guy who comes up, I, bl- I believe, at Shadow Stats, and he says the true unemployment number. Is actually 25%. And the reason the US government can get away with what they do is because, again, it's by definition. How do you define somebody who's unemployed? Uh-huh. So if you work for one day, you're no longer unemployed. Uh-huh. So if you go and help your mother move her furniture, you're no longer unemployed. <laughs> uh, but that's, the government lies to us. So um, what can a person do? I said, I would study other things. You know, I mean, I, I really am concerned about, you know, if you're not, I don't know what's going to happen to this country, whether Trump or whether Hillary wins, you know, I can't help you. I'm not very political at all. You know, I, I do watch it and, and you know, I, I do tune it from time to time, you know, as my as my time permits me to. But uh, really, it's about, it's really about, I mean, it's, it's, it's in the best interest of any country to, um have laws that favor business owners because it's, it's through businesses that what perpetuates that what helps and grows our economy. So uh, <clears throat> whoever gets in office, and of course you know they have may have their own maybe agendas that you know may be sinister or you know may may do a disservice uh, to the public. 
you know, I try to focus on my path. You know, I, you know, I mean, there's, there's always, there's always a ways around anything. And like yourself, you know, you create your business in a very strategic manner. You know, just despite who's the president. So it's, it's taking that perspective that's going to help people to be able to reach the finish line. Um, uh, uh, and seeing in money, uh, just as a testament to what we're talking about, Robert, as we're talking about, you know, uh, trying to, you know, you, you know, it's, it's really to your disadvantage to want to be an employee. But in seeing in money. Uh, it showed that in the beginning of this year, that job cuts soar. Job cuts have soared by 200%. So more and more employers are just laying people off. You know, for for whatever reason. You know, some employers are are moving their business overseas. Uh, other employers are downsizing. Uh, for whatever reason, you know, these job cuts are are growing and continue to grow. In your recent book, Robert, Second Chance, uh, Second Chance for Your Money, Your Life. And our world. Um, how do people get a second chance? I don't know. Just recommend people look at the fact that money isn't money anymore. Debt is money. Okay. And if you don't understand that, then I can't help you. Right. Because as I say, the rich don't work for money. You know, I produce assets. I don't get out of debt. I don't save money. I use debt to get rich. Mm-hmm. And if you read my books, that's what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And so if you have, if you went to college, you got a job, you can be a doctor or a lawyer. I really can't help you. If you're saving money, you're an idiot. Europe right now is in NERP, negative interest rate program. Japan's in negative interest rates program, but people are still saving money. If you read my books, it said the rich don't work for money. They don't save money. Your house is not an asset. Mm-hmm. So the reason I write all this stuff is that because I'm get people to realize the U.S. dollar is corrupt, and people go to school to work for money, save money, invest for the long term in the stock market. The question is, what happens if the whole world monetary system collapses? Then what do you do? And from that point of view, I know it sounds very pessimistic. From there, I get smarter. I start studying. I say, what will survive? You know, what won't survive? And yeah, uh, uh, good point, Robert. And uh, coming to a close, Robert, if people uh, want to, uh, you know, get in contact with you or follow you, how would they do that? I would suggest they start by playing the cash flow game and actually start to learn something difference between assets and liabilities. You know, most people go to school, they're looking for a high paying job. That's why they're messed up. If you played cash flow, the rich focus on the asset column, not the income column. I just provide the products. You know, if you want to learn, you can learn. If you don't want to learn, you don't have to learn. Thank you, Kellen. Thank you for being our guest, Robert. Thank you for listening. Just another great episode by Callan Diggs, best-selling author and career strategist at Seen and Fast Company and Inc. Magazine. If you're not on an email list, you're missing out. Go to reachingthefinishline.com and subscribe to get all the exclusives.